Welcome to episode number 29 of the Beards and Bulldust podcast. Uh, my name is Scott, and we have Aiden. Hello. Hello. Hello, indeed. Just going to reset a little bit of volume while we go about this. Right, that should be better. Sorry about that. Just had to do some volume resets. Okay. How's your week been? Um, what was the last week of school? Mm. Just pretty alright. I had to finish a couple of exams, assignments and stuff, but yeah, it's all finished now. Got the holidays. <laughs> Got the sleeping till midday, back down pad again. Well, it's been 11 o'clock this time, so. Yeah. It's not bad. Wasn't that bad. No, wasn't that bad. Um, For me, it's been a pretty busy week. Uh, I actually managed to record two tracks this week, wow. which was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. One was by accident. Oh. Entirely by accident. But that's the best way to do it. And then I recorded another one today. Yeah. That uh, went up today. So, don't know how SoundCloud works properly, but anyway, I get some people, like, comment on it, don't like it, but don't listen to it. So, I don't know how that works. Anywho, never mind. Um, they probably don't listen to the entire thing. I think you have to listen to the entire thing for it to... Yeah, I think count. so. I think so. And y- y- half your... You know, I got like six followers really quickly and they were all like, you know, the, the agencies that get you more followers oh. and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't need that. Anyway, here's what it is. It's, uh, I do it for, for my own self-benefit, not for anything else. So, yeah. Uh, also, I managed to get myself another another skateboard. So, now I have a, another board to work on, which I'm going to do up as a proper surf style board yeah i try and have fins on it and whatnot oh. somehow anyway i'm still working on the design um got that from the parliament skate shop which are actually really good people they're really cool yeah they um, like your idea they like my idea yeah yeah they had one someone made them like chopped up a skateboard and put a neck on it and it was all rather rough but they had that one there but they like the idea and they're going to put it in their shop once yeah. it's done so that's pretty good i'm quite happy with that we also went to the hill climb yesterday. Yeah. Which was good. That was that was enter- usual its usual source of entertainment. Um a couple of people ended up There's yeah. a lot more crashes than <laughs> the more... other two times I've been. Yeah, the other two times I've been, I think we've seen maybe one car yeah. properly crash. A few of them have gone off the track, but these guys are fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. We had one dude in a Hyundai XL that just came hammering down and I don't know what happened, but he just went straight. It it, it didn't even break or nothing. There was um the pulsar, which yes. caused all sorts of trouble. Yeah, every single time the pulsar seemed to go out, it was doing something. Like it went out and had it's a big on... lock up and then a, and then slid it around the corner and like burnouts and up on the middle of the circuit. And... It was only the last <laughs> race he did. Yeah. Actually got it right. He actually got it right because then the, the next time he went down, he just went in too hot into the corner and just locked it up, went straight ahead. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, had all sorts of drama. So anyway. There was that... So... um. Hyundai Genesis Coupe. Hyundai Genesis Coupe, which was just rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a Commodore SS, which was shit. It was just, yeah, it's stock. It was like a boat. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just like an old sailing boat trying to do a hill climb. Um, but there was actually some decent cars there, some really good ones. Yeah. Um, you know, some, the fast beamers were there. Yeah, the Eurotune. Eurotune cars were there. They were, they were really fast. There were, um, you know, all those formula cars. There was that twin-charged yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, twin charge. The supercharger the size of my engine yeah. <laughs> from the scooter. And then, yeah, it was twin charged. And, yeah, there was there was a really, really cool cars there. It was Miata. actually good meat. Miata with a tiny, tiny supercharger that sounded like it was screaming in pain. Yeah, it just sounded like the engine was just, like, screaming, like he'd been stood on or something. <laughs> it was just screaming. But um, it was good. I like going there. It's It's casual. It's pretty relaxing. Got a lot of people. Everyone's friendly. Yeah. You can get lemmingtons. Um, yeah. I wish it's I could race that because after a while, it's just like, I mean. Well, you want some. After a little while, the most interesting thing is the crashes. Yeah, the interesting, yeah, it becomes the crashes. But I would like to actually, you know, if we both want to, get yeah. a shit, some shitbox. Yep. And race it. Yep. Yep. It's just a matter of funds and having found the car. But anyway, we may end up doing it and then we can have a, you know, a podcast sponsored car or something a business sponsored car or something yeah um anyway that will hopefully we can make that happen at some point uh on to car news so the the car sales figures for 2021 have been announced by all the the manufacturers and it's all been tallied up so guess who came number one toyota yeah 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 again makes sense uh volkswagen came second again uh, Renault Nissan Mitsubishi Alliance thingy came third. Uh, of course, because it's Nissan and Mitsubishi rolled in. Renault don't count for shit, but it's you know Mitsubishi sold like fucking heaps. Yeah, all fucking Outlanders. Yeah, yeah, just sh- shit SUVs. Um, Hyundai came fourth. It actually went up one spot. Yeah, to fourth. Um, the the. Um, I'm not even going to be able to pronounce this right the Stellantis group which is effectively Peugeot, Citroen, Chrysler Dodge all those mobs put together Yeah. Um, they came fifth up one position from the previous year General Motors dropped two spots (laughs) they dropped two spots to sixth Ford was in seventh Suzuki was in ninth um, I think mainly because of all their sales to Pakistan. And BMW, the whole BMW group, so Mini, all that type of stuff, uh, they came 10th. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Some real standouts from it were Rolls-Royce's sales went up by 48.7%. That's like two more people bought one. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, sold like, you know, one the previous year, two this year or something. You know, it wouldn't be much. Yeah. It, it's just another actor wanted another fucking turquoise BMW uh, turquoise Rolls Royce with diamonds in the roof made out of his birth certificate filtered down in the volcano in the ring of fire yeah it would have you know seats made from the ass of gazelles or something like it'd just be all fucking pimped out and weird you never see it like a piece of shit yeah, you see them coming. You see, that's the bad thing about Rolls Royce. You see their Rolls Royce cars as standard, as stock, and you go, "That's nice car." Like it's nicely appointed inside. They should do what Ferrari does, and when the when people who buy them are like, "No, I want to be a turquoise with diamonds," there, they say, "No, no, fuck you. That's gonna look <laughs> terrible. It's gonna look shit." They yeah. just don't care. They don't care. They they want them sold. They they charge a fortune. It makes no difference on their their image because the only people buying them are the people that want to fucking. Yeah, make them look stupid anyway. I'm never gonna buy one, so no. The 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 loser in this year's was uh was Daimler. So like the Daimler group. Who's that? I don't know. 
the whole back stack load of manufacturers that do build something. Anyway, I thought it was Chrysler. It was part of Daimler, but apparently not. They fell outside the top 10. Oh. First time in a few years that happened. Um, a few others down the track that had sort of some notable mentions. Tesla nearly did a million. They were like 980,000 or something, mainly the Model 3. Yeah. Um, Subaru were, you know, somewhere around 12th or 13th or something for, oh. for Subaru and Mazda about the same. So there was a fair few that were just outside the top 10. Um, yeah. But some of the sales figures were shocking. Um, Skoda was like down 20% <laughs> on most of their range across the world, like like down. So were Mercedes. And that's, oh, that's Daimler. So Mercedes had uh, spun into that Daimler group. Uh-huh. Um, and their sales were down. Yeah. Which is quite odd that BMWs would be up, but then that down. But anyway, they might, people might just prefer BMWs at the moment. Because, you know, there's the M3s and the M4s and stuff. And yeah. I know what the fuck Mercedes does, to be honest. No. I know what cars they make at the moment. No, none of them memorable. Um, but yeah, so that's that. That's um, I mean, that's the only thing I really wanted to cover in the in the in the car news. I didn't want to go too in depth. Yeah. No real surprises with some of the stuff there. With Toyota being at number one, and when you really think about it, the the only thing in Toyota group is Toyota. Yeah. You know, you got a Volkswagen group at number two. Well, they got Audi, Porsche, uh, Porsche Volkswagen, Volkswagen, Skoda, Skoda. So they've got a fair few buried into that group, and they still can't beat Toyota. <laughs> Toyota's pretty good. I mean, I reckon Toyota deserves to be there because now they're making a return with sports cars. Mm. They've got the Supra back. They've got, um, like the eight six back. Yep. They've got, you know, uh, GR, yeah. which is basically like their new TRD, I guess. Yeah. Do they still have TRD? Um, I think so. I think they're still TRD. They only really fucking do anything though. Uh, no, not at the moment. I think they're on holidays. I think they made like one. Last gen eight six model maybe, and yeah. Then it was just like... Yeah, they've sort of fallen off the radar. They were making all sorts of weird things at one point in time. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, on to gaming news. Um. PlayStation Plus. So you know the the subscription PlayStation. What's it? Yeah. Um. It's it's changing in June to try and take on the Xbox Game Pass. Oh, they're gonna do like a Game Pass so, thing. Sort of like yeah. So the the uh, the extra or the, the PlayStation Plus extra or whatever, um, it's going to have about four hundred titles available as part of the subscription, um, and they're talking about trying to go all the way back to like PlayStation Two games, oh. being available for streaming. Yeah, oh, um, streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some of the PlayStation Two games, to be fair, can fit on the size of a freaking CD. They're yeah. they're not complex games. I want to play like old Gran Turismo. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm, I'm hoping something like that comes out. That'd like, be cool. Yeah, some of the really old ones, like 3 and, you know, Grand Turismo 3 and stuff. Anyway, that's that's coming. It's arriving in June. That's um, a big promise, though. It is a big promise. Might not even happen. Well, and that's, like, like the, the way they're working out the tiers is if you want to get some of those games, you have to pay quite a freaking lot. Like, our for our PlayStation Plus account, if we wanted to get access to some of this stuff, we'd have to pay, like, three times the amount what we are now. Jeez. So it's a pretty big jump. You can still uh, we can still access our normal stuff like we can now on the existing pricing. I think you get two games to download a month or something like that. Yeah. Um mainly it's one shit one and not one not quite so shit. Yeah. It's like <laughs> what what the fuck is yeah. this? Yeah, why would I want NBA nineteen fucking oh one? Like it's just it's shit. Yeah. Um but anyway, that's and then like 
a Fortnite skin. Yeah, or something something pointless like that. On to some space news now. So SpaceX have launched their fourth rideshare mission. So SpaceX is now doing rideshare missions on their rocket ships. What's that? So instead of, you know, like when NASA did it, you know, you would send up like one, maybe two satellites owned by the same mob, going for the same mob, right? It's it's all in-house. SpaceX let, well, not anybody, but just about anybody just put their satellites on there to to go up. So the last one that went up, for example, it went up, it had a um, it had a German satellite. Um, it was called, I have it written down here, the NMAP satellite. And what it's basically going to do is take pictures of the Earth for you know, weather and environment and see if it changes, basically. Um, and about 39 small CubeSat ones for the, you know, what they're calling the, the this, uh, what are they, Space B, Swarm B, CubeSats. They're just all little satellites all linked together. They're going to form a big network of these tiny little satellites that are the size of a shoebox. Uh-huh. Mm. And they're meant to help with information moving around and all that type of stuff, making things more accessible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they launched a fair few of those. So SpaceX is doing that now, which is a more affordable option. Yeah. Right? It's like cat. It's like calling an Ubers for your 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 stuff. It's to like be it's cheaper to buy an Uber than mm. buy a whole car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just pay for your space on the rocket ship. It goes up, chops it off in space. Uh, I suppose you have to tip the rocket ship, ten percent or something. Come home. I don't know. I don't know. I suppose you book it on the app. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe soon you'll be able to just book an Ubers and go to the moon or something. In like 200 years? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's years. soon. You know, the lifetime of the Earth speaking, that's like after dinner. Yeah, but I'm not going to get to see it. Well, you never know. They could freeze your brain or something. They could like save you or something. Oh, I'd be like a cyborg in the future. Yeah. That'd be pretty I'm, cool. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, yeah, completely off point, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the future for you. Uh, on to my tips for young bucks. So today, uh, not too in depth, but it is. It's around the concept of chasing perfection. Um, for the, a long, long time, a long time, as long as I can know, I have been obsessed with not wanting to let something go until it was perfect so try and develop it make it uh, build it, do whatever but always wanted it to be perfect now that can be a little bit destructive to a degree because most things are never perfect so what I do now is I chase perfection and I seek perfection and I try and have everything as perfect as I can um before I, I sell it or get rid of it or give it away or whatever it is. But I I try to act on it when it's eighty percent. So I try and do things as well as I can. I try and get imp- I try and always improve and, and be constantly chasing perfection, but I don't let that stop me actually progressing things. So I've had to learn that in, in the job I do now in, in my normal work life that 
you know, you you can keep hold on to something until it's perfect, but you're going to have a lot of people waiting on you not knowing why. So once it's about 80%, I move it along. And I get feedback or I let someone look at it or, or you know, provide some input into it. And it actually makes a big difference. Yeah. It's actually a good thing to do. So you, you chase perfection, but you act on 80%. So when it's pretty well there, you move it along. So... You know, that may be getting feedback on or, or support or, or sharing, you know, where you're up to with an exam or an assignment or it might be in your work life. Um, I don't recommend the approach when you're working on someone's car. <laughs> um, just fix it to 80% and go, ah, it should be fucking right. Just don't overdrive it. Um, there's expectations inside that for it to be right. But even then, there's there's right and there's fucking beyond right. So it's about having balance, and it's important that you build that balance um, in most in in most fields and stuff that you do. So not a hugely in depth one this week, just a, a quite a basic one. Onto my stoic quote. So today I've got a quote from Henry Ford. Oh, that's like the guy who made a car. Mm-hmm. He did make a car. That's correct. Yeah. And his company made many more cars. Um, he actually started out as a mechanic shop. Yeah. 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 In Detroit. And then started making cars. Um. What did he fix? Like coaches? Yeah, probably. Uh-huh. General Motors cars. Stole the idea. I don't know. I don't know. He probably did. He didn't. He didn't steal the idea. He was one of the first to make them. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He, he fixed Isn't the stuff. first one that he made still like the best selling model? The, yeah. Car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That still blows me away. Like the first mass produced car. Mm. Is still the number one on like most sold. Yeah, because but it's I sold... see more Hyundai's and Kias somehow. Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, they sold heaps of them because they they were designed to be easy to make and cheap. That's what they were designed to be. So he they made heaps of them. They they were freaking everywhere. Um, but that was a long, long time ago. Most of them are now nothing but dust. Yeah. Um. You know, I've driven one. I'd driven a, a a Ute one, a utility, um, and and it's fucking hard to drive. Yeah, because the throttles where the indicators are, it doesn't have a foot accelerator. Yeah. Um. So and the indicators are on the opposite side. So if you want to turn, put the indicator on and control the throttle, you need three hands. <laughs> Otherwise, you've got to let go of something. Um. And the throttle doesn't self-release. So in a car, when you let you go foot off your throttle, it it releases. It, it doesn't happen in an old Ford. You know, it, you, you know, old Model Ts and stuff, it's a, it's a, it's an, the position you put it in is what it stays in. So you go around the corner with it half throttle, you let go of it, it's still half throttle. Yeah. So you can have a foot on the brake and all sorts of stuff, it won't work. Um, and, you, and the clutch is also part of the gear change. So I think it's to go from first to second. In first, you have your foot on the clutch with the gear stick in first. To go to second, you lift your foot off the clutch. And it goes to second. It is all weird. That's it confusing. Is, it is all crazy. And it was a, it was a, a ute with no doors, a bench seat, and no seat belts. <laughs> and you're trying to turn a corner and do things that need three hands, but you've only got two and not slide out of the car when it's turning a corner because if you do, it'll just keep going down the road without you because the <laughs> throttle won't back off. 
<laughs> that sounds all right. So, yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was it was great fun. You know, not fast cars, not powerful cars, functional cars. They just they they do they did a job, and that's why they sold so well. They were they were just simple. Yeah, I think Chevy were one of the ones that took the idea of going to you know a foot accelerator and you know a, a more traditional gear stick gearbox type thing. Yeah. Um. Sometime after that, but. Back to his back to his quote because he did have many many good quotes throughout his life and you probably heard this one but I'm going to say it again anyway. Um, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So I should turn left. Mm, yeah, that, that's the basis of it. Turn left, don't turn right, kids. It'll kill you. Um, no, it's it's around the concept of mindset and people's mindset, especially around whether you're ambitious or you're not ambitious or whether you want to, you know move on in life or whether you want to uh, yeah, in my case you know try and record music and do all that type of stuff whether you think you can or you can't you, you're right so if you think you know a good example for me is I don't think I know I can't swim and I'm right because I freaking can't right and I can go I can jump in the pool as much as I want and go I can swim no I fucking can't right and I know I can't and that means I can't um, and a lot of people, you know, will come across things in their life, an opportunity or something, and go, I can't do that. And the moment they think I can't do that, then you can't. You can't. You've made your own mind up, and it's all around mindset. So once you think you can't do something, you won't do it because you've convinced yourself that you can't. Whereas if you go into an approach thinking you can, you may end up failing, but you will try. And there's a chance that you'll be able to do it. So it, it's a solely a mindset piece. That whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. That still doesn't make much sense. Yeah, no, no, I know. I mean, when you explain it, it makes sense. But then the actual quote itself, like... Yeah, it, it doesn't. So um, if you break it down right and you go, if you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're also right. But I meant to think that I can. Well, you are. You are. But you get a lot of people who think, I can't do that. You know, you get like a lot of people when it comes to dieting or to exercise, right? And they go, I can't do that. So what do they do instead? They eat like shit and they have a poor, you know, lifestyle. They don't exercise because they think they can't exercise, right? If they change their mind and go, I can exercise, I can get out and do something, I can eat healthily then they will start doing that because they think they can. So it's solely a mindset piece. Yeah. It's very, once you explain it, it makes a lot of sense. But if I reread that again, I'll just confuse you. Yeah, well, can we say it again? <laughs> so whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. But you just said that I should think I can so I can do it. And if I think I can't, then I can't, then I won't do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm right for thinking that I can't do it. Well, yeah, but yes, because you, you've, Oh, because yeah. if I think I can't do it, I'm right because I can't do it. Mm. But if I think that I can do it, then I'll be right because then I might be able to do it. Mm. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> I thought I thought this was basically saying like, oh, you can't do it, and you're right, you shit at it. Okay. <laughs> and just left it at that. No, just left it at that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no one I think has come up with like a really motivational stat saying that says. 
your shit. (laughs) (laughs) And just leave it. (laughs) Um, It's generally more than that. You know, and in those early times around Henry Ford's time, yeah, people worded stuff in really words. Words were said differently. Yeah, yeah, and it's stand. It's a quite the sort of test of time. So you know, I I quite like it. Um, very hard to, um, very easy to explain, but then you can confuse people really quickly again. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, we are rocking along pretty well, which is good because now we get to. The fun part of Australia's Prime Ministers. And this week, it's John Curtin. Yeah, I... Yeah. What can you tell me? Him. Tell me about John Curtin. What did you learn? Oh, uh, he, um... He was there in World War Two. Mm. After... It wasn't after Menzies. It was after other old mates. Right? After, after Fadden, yep. Yeah. Um... He did some... He he did some shit. <laughs> yes, he did some shit. <laughs> uh, and then didn't he like die yes. after World War Two? No, no, he died before the end of World War Two. How did he die? Heart attack. Oh. Hmm. So that's all they taught you. Yeah, I mean, we just knew he was there. We learned no. about World War Two, mm. but we didn't actually yeah, learn yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Okay. okay. So John Curtin, born in 1885 in Creswick, Victoria, um, to Irish parents. So another um, Irish descent to lead our nation, quite a fair few, more than what most people realise. Upon coming to Australia, his father took up a job as a prison officer and then also as a police officer, became a Victorian copper, faced various disciplinary action throughout his time as a police officer. Did he run over someone with a car? Uh, no, but I think he, he, he sort of treated children doing the wrong thing with probably more force than he probably should have. Um, so he just hates kids. So I, I think a few kids copped a bit of a beating for doing things wrong. <laughs> Which, I mean, he's an Irish copper in Victoria. What the fucking hell do you expect? Jeez, like, they do that now. Like, yeah. so much has changed. Um, after leaving the police force, um, rather dishonorably, uh, he brought a pub in Melbourne uh, in Little Lonsdale Street. So in the city, brought a pub. Um, wasn't very successful, so they moved out to Charlton, and he took up a, another pub. So, a bit of a mixed bag of life experience for this this chap in his early years. Curtin finished school at age thirteen, as was the way back then. You know, I think until about age thirteen, and that's generally about it. Was it. a cop before he finished? No, no, his father was a cop. His father was not Curtin. He's not not like a fucking ten year old cop going around. He's not fucking Eric Cartland for crying out loud. No, his father was a cop and yeah. a prison guard. Um, Curtin was was you know born while his father I think was a prison officer I think or maybe a cop. Anyway, doesn't matter. So he finished school at thirteen and he had a variety of jobs, including like office boy to magazine, a copy boy for another newspaper, a Potter's apprentice. Uh, house boy. He had like a variety of jobs when he was younger. Um, none that he could keep. Um, he secured his first permanent position when he was 18 as an estimates clerk for the Titan Manufacturing Company. What's that? I don't know. I don't know what they manufactured. I couldn't find anything on them. Uh-huh. Um, I may try to. Someone may have some information on them. I'm not sure. Um, but that was down in Melbourne. Uh, he played for the Brunswick Football Club which is like a semi-professional AFL 
club competition. Yeah. So he's semi-professional in the AFL. It was pretty good. Uh, um, during World War One, or the, around the start of the World War One, he he wrote for some radical and very socialist newspapers. Um, he was anti-conscriptionist, so he was very much against conscription of people. During World War One, um, he was briefly imprisoned in December uh, 1916 for refusing to go to a medical examination, which was compulsory for younger men at that time in that in World War One. You had to at least go for the medical examination. That was compulsory. But he always thought that his poor eyesight would never get him into the service anyway, so he just didn't bother. Oh. And they locked him up. <laughs> uh, in uh, in 1914 is when he first ran for federal parliament. Um, wasn't successful. It was a very stressful time in his life, and he took up a very bad drinking habit at that point in time. Oh. Become an alcoholic. Married Elsie Needham who was the daughter of one of the local members down his way um, in April 1970, 1917, and they moved to WA, to Perth, from Victoria. Did a few things over there, uh, became the president of the Australian Journalists Association, which he maintained right through, um, even in his time as uh, Prime Minister. If you see pictures of him, you'll see in the Australian Journalists Association badge that he wore right through his time as Prime Minister. Oh. Um, and that was in 1920. In 1925, uh, he stood for his for a federal election in Western Australia and lost heavily, like got his ass kicked by the dude who was already the member over there, a chap named William Watson. Oh. Um, Watson retired in 1928. So in 1928, Curtin ran again and won. But in 31... Watson came out of retirement and ran against Curtin in the 31 election and beat him. <laughs> so he got his take, seat and taken back by the dude who'd retired. Oh. He's probably his bumbling old freaking fool that just keeps annoying everybody. When he was in his first um, term in 1928, he was hoping to get a cabinet position, like be part of the Prime Minister's cabinet. Um, but they they said no because of his drinking habit. Because oh. it was that bad, everybody knew about it. In 30, 1934... When Watson, Watson retired again, um, Curtin got his seat back and won again. Came back into power, or back into position. Um, still a backbench. In 1935, he became leader of the opposition um, with the support of the trade unions and stuff like that because he was very big into unions. Yeah. So he became the leader of the opposition in 1935 on the condition that he that he quit drinking. So they wouldn't support him as leader of the opposition if he was still drinking. So he had to quit. Yeah. Um, which he did. He, he he gave up the drink. They gave up the drink. Probably a bit too late by that time, but he gave it up. Um, in 1941, we had, there was two independent um, MPs who crossed the floor against Fadden's budget. So when when Fadden came in, um, one of the first things he did was try and put a budget across. And they blocked it and crossed the floor and went over to the opposition side. And that changed the balance of power in Parliament. Yeah. So what should have happened was another election should have been called, but the government was less than a year old. So the governor didn't want to call another election in the high, in the start of fucking World War Two to be having another election. He didn't want that. So he got agreements from those two independents that they would remain... Um, loyal to Labor, to Curtin's government, which they which they swore that they would. So 
the governor made him Prime Minister on the 7th of October 1941. He was 58 when he became Prime Minister. Jeez. So, yep. Already quite old. Following the attack on Pearl Harbour and the sinking of the HMS Prince of Wales and HMS Repulse on the 10th of December um, by Japanese bombers off the Malayan coast, Curtin cabled Roosevelt and Churchill to request help with the Pacific, effectively. It was a cable he sent to them saying, you know, Americans will be welcome into the Pacific Theatre. Yeah, that was in my assignment. Yeah, yeah. Exam thing. Yep. On the 28th of December, they released a public statement aligning Australia with the US. So they released a a big public statement basically saying we're going to work with the US on the Oh, yeah, because the UK, like, took our soldiers, took our army. Yep, and and wouldn't wouldn't give them back. Yeah. I saw some satire cartoons about it. Yeah. In the um exam. Yeah, yeah, and, and Curtin himself copped quite a bit of bit of slack when we aligned with the US. Like it was he copped a, a fair bit from the media and stuff. Well people didn't like the well, pe- Americans. Well the people US. people thought Australia should remain loyal to Britain. Uh Right, and and the stupid thing of that is Britain weren't fucking going to come to help with Japan on the doorstep. Yeah. And the threat of invasion, which I think if Japan would have realised where shit was geographically in Australia, they probably would have tried to invade. Yeah. Um, But I think they didn't realise that, you know, up in the far north around Darwin, once you get south of Darwin, you've got fucking nothing Um, for for quite a long friggin' time. (laughs) Yeah, we learned that they bombed Darwin and... Yep. Places around there. Yeah. But they didn't really go any Oh, and they sent, like... Didn't they send, um... Subs or something? Yep, to yeah. somewhere else? So there were subs, I think... Came, subs came into Sydney Harbour? Yeah, it was Sydney Harbour. Um, I think even one came in down Brisbane River. Uh-huh. Um, they they tried to come in in a few places with subs, but it... it the, the way, because Australia is so big and vast... They would have had to sail past half of fucking Australia to get to a civilization worth taking. Yeah. So, you know, I fucking hide very well when you're going to go past half the country to get to somewhere. So, um, you know, our geography was really what probably saved us back in that, in in those early instances. But, um, so, yeah, in that, he, um, he released a statement. Um, aligning with the USA, copped quite a lot of flack internally and from the media and from some of the hugely British aligned people then in 1943 so by 1943 the threat of invasion from Japan had sort of passed yeah. right they, they realised trying to come for New Guinea that they weren't really going to get there you know they weren't going to get Port Moresby they needed Port Moresby to have a base they weren't going to get that they weren't going to get most of the other Pacific areas they were getting pushed back yeah. you know so the threat had gone um Following that, once the threat had gone, Curtin then began to realign Australia with Britain. So, um, along with the along with the New, the New Zealand people, New Zealand government, they they really pushed for a lesser role for the US after the war. Yeah. So, really tried to push us back into that, you know, that Britain mold. Um, as part of that, and as part of sort of making peace with Britain, they passed the Statue of Westminster Adoption Act, which is which is basically um, 
something that was proposed many years be- before, but the government never accepted it, and that was to accept um, Dominion status. So basically, Australia would be independent of British uh, British law and the British Crown, but still part of the Commonwealth. So sort of a bit of a trade-off. So we wouldn't have to be directly controlled by the British government and British laws um, and directly controlled by the British Crown, but still part of the Commonwealth, still contributing to the Commonwealth. Yeah. So that was that was passed. By 1944, um, and from as an output of regular travel to Britain and the US to meet Churchill and, and Roosevelt and whatnots, um, he developed heart disease. Uh-huh. In November 1944, Curtin suffered a heart attack, um, and it took him out of action until January 1945. So, you know, 1945 is when World War Two ended. Yeah. Right, September 1945. So in January, he had a heart attack. His health continued to, you know, deteriorate quite rapidly those those following months. And on the 5th of July... Uh, 1945, he passed away. Uh-huh. Two months before the end of the war. The war. Yeah. Two That's months after. Two months before, you know, having led Australia through one of the fucking bloodiest conflicts known, um, he passed away. Yeah. Which is all sad. Um, he was the second prime minister to die in office within the last six years. So pretty stressful job. Yeah. Pretty, pretty full on job. Um, they flew him back to the US, uh, back to Western Australia, um, on a on a plane. I can't remember what the bloody plane was, but it had like six, like an escort of six fighter planes, all the way back to Perth. Yeah, they would have had to stop refuel at least once, Canberra to Perth, back in those days. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long way to go. But yeah, they um, they flew him back, and he, and he was buried in over there in Perth. Um, so that's yeah, that's largely the. That's largely it. Um, there was a fair few different things they did around, you know, his positioning of troops, um, you know, commitment to troops, different things, you know, South Africa and stuff like that. Um, so he was he was largely instrumental in Australia's places of conflict and where Australians fought in the war. Um, you know, e- equally deceived by individuals during World War Two, like happened in many instances a lot of the battles were never properly reported and the casualties were never properly reported and progress one way or another was never properly reported and that happened in world war one as well yeah um but overall you know stood resilient won an election in the middle of the war you know retained his role as prime minister and control of the government until he died and, and until he died and then right after Japan got like nuked twice. Yep. And that ended World War Two. That ended World War Two. Yeah. But that effectively in that Pacific theater, I think because that you know, there was no real Australian leadership, it just let the Yanks do whatever the Yanks wanted to do. Yeah. You know, in that in that Pacific theater. So um but yeah, so that's that's largely it. I don't really have much more. I managed to get that out in 40 minutes. That's pretty good. That's all I really had. Yeah. Um. Quite an intensive time as his time as Prime Minister. Um, many other things happened in the country around that time, 
I didn't really want to cover those because I really only wanted to cover their role as prime minister. Yeah. And the, and the individual as prime minister. We can cover all the other war history separately. You know? Yeah. So we discussed the different wars and maybe the different campaigns or whatnot. That's all I really had. Yeah, we learned about Kokoda in history mm. and mm. like Singapore. Yeah. Yeah, the four those, those countries. Yeah. Yeah, look, and those things deserve their own space for discussion. Yeah. Because um, there's many things around, you know, like Singapore and Kokoda and, you know, and all the other campaigns, not even, you know, all the European campaigns and stuff that really, you know, deserve their own space. Yeah. You know, I really don't want to cover them off here because I don't think it's a, the right place to do it. Um, but we can have those those discussions. Um you know, Kokoda is one of those ones that I want to go and do. I actually want to walk to Kokoda. Yeah. Um, it's a long walk. Yeah. Very hilly walk. But, but you won't be carrying, like, you know, a gun and bags and stuff. So. Well, you, I think you still carry quite a fair bit of your staff, your yeah. packs and stuff. I think a lot of it, they, they move for you, but, yeah, you're not, you know, you're not armed and you're not trying to freaking fight your way out of, Japanese territory and all that type of stuff. So apparently they thought Japan was going to come in on boats, but they rode bicycles behind them. Yeah, they just rode on fucking push bikes. Yeah, to get up behind them. There yeah. was a video of it, and it's the most ridiculous looking thing ever. Yeah, these Japanese soldiers with guns on on bikes. push bikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they had nothing else. Yeah, they were massively, massively undersupplied when they tried to take Papua New Guinea. Yeah, like really undersupplied. Um, but then you look at the Australian soldiers. We didn't even have like helmets. We had hats and no. shorts. <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. That was that was not even you know that that they were proper soldiers. But it wasn't. They weren't deployed there as a fighting force. Yeah, no, they weren't. Um, they were an expeditionary force, I think. They were um like a civilian. It was like a yeah. home defense thing. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't actual yeah. soldiers. Yeah, most of them were engineers and stuff like that. Like yeah. they weren't. They they. They, they had they, guns from World War One. Yeah, they had basic amount of military training, but they were undersupplied, under equipped. You know, they were wearing shorts. Yeah, they had God shorts, hats, and then like a t shirt. Yeah. You yeah. got shot and there's nothing protecting you. No. No. No, they had nothing. I feel sorry for all those guys. They were sent there with freaking nothing. But they did an amazing job because they managed to hold off the Japanese. Yeah. Um you know, so that did that stopped them, but yeah, that, there's those campaigns need their own space and time because there's there's a lot that lead up to those things and involved in those things that most people sort of don't get taught about. Yeah. Um. You know, we get taught about the sacrifices of the individuals, but we don't really get taught about the decision to send them there in the first place. Yeah. Um. You know, and then the decision and and the opportunities that probably existed to bring them home, and not leave them there. Yeah. That that sort of weren't explored. So, um, those things need to be explored in more detail. Anyway. That's it. Try not end on a gloomy bit. But that's the end of this week's podcast. I don't really have any more. Yeah, I've got nothing. Yeah, you've got nothing. Aiden's become unprepared. Full holiday mode. I don't know what to talk about. There's nothing I don't interesting. Know, well, talk about something you saw on the YouTube. Um, you know, maybe... A woman faked uh, her boyfriend saying abusive things to her. She faked it and then she said that she faked it and it was kind of funny because she's stupid <laughs> that's all it's, it's the quality entertainment of the current generation 
Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you can watch some other stuff. Or maybe we'll get Ethan down because Ethan watches many of the YouTubes. He watches like Minecraft videos. He's good. <laughs> we, we could get we if we want our podcast to go for like a couple hours. Yep. We could just bring Ethan down again to talk about Terraria and Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. We talk that, about it for hours. That that would just go for, for hours, and that would appease probably one person on the entire internet. <laughs> And that would be Ethan. He'd probably just rerun it, listen to himself talking about Minecraft. I'll know everything about it. I'll yeah. know how to beat the whole game by the time yeah. he's finished. Yeah. There isn't much he doesn't know because he just sits and when he's not playing it, he watches YouTube videos yeah. about playing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, good. He's got a passion and, he'll, and, he, and he engrosses himself in it. Okay. Well, that's it. We will close. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you found it insightful. And we will... Speak to you again next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. See ya.